1: Their
0: essential love of justice. Hey, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for March 3rd,
2: 2019. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome, Catherine Smith.
3: Greetings from Atlanta.
2: And welcome from somewhere that's back connected to civilization, <laughs> Tim
1: <Shifflett. laughs> good Good evening, sir. <laughs>
2: Yes, for those of you that don't know, uh, Tim lives in a small town in uh, Menlo, Georgia, and it was cut off from the metropolis of Somerville, and then part of the weekend, Somerville was um, uh, cut off from everywhere else south of it, so uh, Tim's been a little isolated this week, but luckily the phone lines still work. <laughs> yeah, well... um but, Tim, you also got news, so you are able to keep up with all of the goings-on, and that's what we're going to discuss tonight. Uh, just to let you know, our guest, about 20 minutes from Virginia, frequent contributor Mr. Lowell Feld. Virginia's been in the news, and A, we've had some really good guests already lined up, and B, it kind of was one of those things that probably was best to let Virginia settle for a little while so we might have more of a long-range view than just a, quick reaction to all the news that have been going on in that state. Um, But we'll have him on in a minute. Until then, uh, a little bit of things going on in the the world and the nation. We're going to start off with the world. And in Vietnam, there was a summit between North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump. And it did not quite go like it was scripted, did it, Tim?
1: Uh, no, essentially, they got nothing done. I believe the word that every headline led with was essentially collapse. I saw that in headline after headline after headline yeah. in every type of media outlet national state, local international that you can think of um it never hurts to talk, I guess. but Well, unless you're Trump, it, 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 then it might hurt to, to to open your mouth sometimes. But they claim sanctions was the sticking point, and uh, each side had their own story. Kim stayed on over there for a day after Trump suddenly left on Friday. And in doing so, he probably made himself look more like the the international leader, the leader of a nuclear power, which is exactly what he wanted to do. And, uh, you know, each side is spinning the story. And you know, you got to wonder, don't you, uh, Catherine, if Trump didn't have his mind on what was going on over here that we'll get to in a moment. But he seemed very distracted and— uh, I'm not going to say bizarre because that's basically Trump. But what what do you think, Catherine? I don't know.
3: Well, I wonder if it was who was more bothered by the fact that Cohen was getting so much attention and they were not getting enough attention. I don't know if it was uh, Kim or Trump. You know, each, each, each of them is sort of hungry for attention. And I think they were probably both expecting to be the center of attention, and they weren't, at least in this country. Um, I, I just I, – I, I can't help but keep thinking about the fact that, you know, Trump flew over on Air Force One with all his toys and whistles and everything, and they don't have a plane in North Korea – that is uh, uh, substantial enough or stable enough, I guess, or it, it can't fly the distance to Vietnam. So he had to come by train. I just thought that was really kind of precious that, you know, they don't even have a plane. They have a nuclear program, but they don't have a plane that the president can fly, you know, across to get to a, meeting I just I found that very interesting but I think yeah um go ahead
2: go ahead I'm sorry no I was gonna just say I heard that same story about he took it was thousands of miles I really did not I mean and I can pick out where Vietnam is on a map and where Korea is on a map the two peninsulas but I had no I just really did not know they were that many miles apart you just forget how large Asia is um but then I saw about the train and then um I, I wonder if it's that both he, he and his father are worried about being shot down or some type of sabotage
1: no, they didn't. with a plane.
2: You know, there's some, no, there, the, some, the, there's some not, irrational fear of, of air flight.
3: <clears throat> no, the report I got was they don't have a plane.
2: They could have rented one. They could have well, rented one. I maybe. mean, you know. It, From who? Yeah, so there's some. There, there's <clears> got to <throat> be more to it than they just couldn't come up with air flight, even though the Wright brothers brought it to America. Um, in the night, early, you know, the first decade of the 19th century, or 18th, I'm mean, sorry, 20th century, 1900s. I mean, come on. Well, um, no, they didn't have a plane that could it, go that
3: distance. That was the word I Yeah, asked. but I mean, they, I'm sure
2: they could have secured one, or they could have invested the resources to get one prior to this. Or it may be that maybe he, he never plans to leave Korea. He,
1: uh, he has Korea. a special train uh you know this this all tricked out and stuff carries this large entourage with him, and yeah. the word is he really enjoys riding on that train. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but that was like a sixty hour trip
3: yeah. on that
1: train but because he had to go the he he took his he had a limo with him that he rode around in Vietnam <laughs> when he went to leave he goes up to the Chinese border with Vietnam, and jumps on his train, and there he goes the entire length of China, <laughs> all the way up to, to North Korea, and it's like a 60-hour trip, but it's my understanding that he really does like that train, and takes it every chance he gets.
2: Yeah, so so maybe it's just a personal choice, and I, I get the idea he never really leaves the confines of North Korea, so it may be a situation where there really hadn't been that big of a need for um, a plane because he's not going to take it out. I guess he's not getting invited to the G6 and to speak at the United (laughs) Nations and whatnot anyway. Um, But then it was quite a trip for Donald Trump, someone of his age, because apparently he was jet lagged going, didn't get good sleep the night he was over there. That could have been worries about Michael Cohen, which we'll talk about later. And then apparently the trip back was rough. So it was a a rough travel trip for a guy that, you know, likes his uh, free time, if you will. Um, and, but I don't think that really impacted, you know, why it was
1: successful. Wasn't there some talk that he was actually, you know, there are 12 hours difference between us and, and, and where they were uh, in Hanoi there. Uh, wasn't there some talk that Trump was actually going to set up part of the night to watch
2: Cohen live—that may oh, have been—but sure. um, uh, I mean, that doesn't seem like a. When you've got this big international summit, that probably's not a good use of your resources. Yeah, this is um, Trump
1: we're talking about, yeah. David.
2: Yeah, I mean, oh, I know. About, I know that. You know. That <laughs> says a lot. Uh, now, but let's actually talk about you know not all the ins and outs because we're not foreign policy ins. Uh, analysts but just what kind of how it fell apart and what i heard was basically north korea thought they got so much out of donald trump during the first summit that they just thought that you know they could get whatever they wanted uh you know i guess they thought that the art of the deal applied more to them than it did donald trump even though that's his book and so they kind of overplayed their hand and they overplayed it so far that you know even donald trump just had to say well we can't Um, do all of this. And so the the negotiations broke down, which actually is probably good for Americans in the world, because had they asked for a little less, Donald Trump may have given them uh, more than they deserved. Is that the read you heard about it, Catherine?
3: Yeah, that's kind of what I heard. They went in very confident that they were going to walk away with a deal about the sanctions and um, that, you know, they were going to they were going to prevail at least that's the what i read in a couple of places so yeah i think they may be over were overconfident and that's the kind of thing i would think that would um bother tr- uh the president that he wants to make the deal you know he doesn't want he wants he wants to be able to give them something they weren't expecting and for them to come in all confident like that probably uh slipped his game a bit don't you think tim
1: well you know they were going to get something anyway the worst thing north korea was going to get out of this is exactly what kim has been wanting from these meetings with trump to start with not just the extra goodies but the fact that he can set in front of cameras, on a world stage, with the whole world watching, as the leader of a nuclear power, presenting him as an equal to the president of the United States. This is why many presidents have refused uh, to meet with him in the past, was because of the propaganda angle. This is great propaganda for him uh after Trump left, oh, Kim got the red carpet treatment, got to go to the tomb of Ho Chi Minh. And, you know, all of this was on TV for consumption, not only uh, in the Far East, but also uh, especially in, in his home country. And, and so he he got something out of this if he didn't get anything outside of it. And, you know, Trump needs to understand something. They're not gonna give those nukes up. They're just not gonna do it. They they can you know, they can double talk him like they did before, by the way, and use him. But uh he he's, he he's he really fell flat this time. Maybe it was just a, a, a total waste of time.
2: Yes, well let's talk about moving forward. Uh, they've had Summit one uh Trump touted it as a success. Obviously, it was more than North Koreans have ever gotten, so they thought it was a success. So we have round two. It becomes this total disaster. They don't even have the dinner. They cancel press conference. I mean, no one, um, certainly on the American side, thought it would, you know, called it a success. Even the Donald Trump couldn't even spin it as a success, and he uh, will sometimes spin anything as anything. Um, so is there going to be a summit number three? What do you think, Catherine?
3: Um, well, I'm sure that Trump would like one. He'd like to, you know, redo it so that he can be he can look like the like he's performed the art of the deal. But hopefully, he's listening to his advisors who are telling him not to. They might try to do a um, a multilateral um, summit with someone else. I don't know. Who knows that guy? Like he probably is itching to get back to, you know, make himself look better, don't you think?
2: Uh, Possibly. Um, But the one thing I have to think about politically in America, um, Tim, wouldn't you think that his base, uh, the ones that – and I'm talking about – I shouldn't even say his base. I'm talking about the folks that may have voted for him. Uh, but maybe voted for other Democrats in the past or other Democrats on the same ballot, but they thought, okay, he's going to bring jobs back to the Rust Belt and he's going to you you know, you know, rebuild a manu- American manufacturing and things like that. Don't you think that a lot of those voters are like, this North Korea stuff isn't going anywhere, it's completely off message, and it's not why I supported him, and if those folks, he loses them, he loses in 2020, so could, could politically he need to move off of this?
1: Well, you know, it doesn't seem to be affecting his face either way. Uh, new hmm. NBC poll this morning, he was at 46 percent. And they showed the NBC polls from the time that he has entered office. And there hasn't hardly been any movement at all, maybe three or four points down. But nothing over 46 or or so, which, interestingly enough, is the exact amount of votes that he got before. He's got nearly a 90 percent approval rating with Republican voters. So I I don't I I just I'm to the point. I don't think there's anything, no matter how outlandish, no matter how big a failure uh, that this guy can do. That 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 can hurt him that much, even after that disastrous government shutdown that he caused. Well, his poll numbers bounced right back up to where they were before before it happened, and 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 there he sits. sets his reelect numbers don't look very good, but uh, I I think he's going to get that forty six percent of the vote. I think that's going to be there, and I don't think nothing. It, it is going to shake it away unless something, uh, you know, happens uh, domestically with these investigations or something. So no, I don't. I, I don't think the North Korea thing's going to affect him either way.
2: Yeah, I've noticed some of the polls. It seems like you know, and then Public Policy Polling did one, and pretty much every candidate um, that they polled, it was like. Um, a two or three point lead for most Democratic candidates. There will be some that might have a one. There might be somebody with very little name recognition that was either tied or behind Trump. But for the most part, there's a very tight range. And it's kind of like you could put, you know, some combination of Barack Obama and Bill Clinton on a and give them a third term. One as president, one as vice president, and they would lead Trump by three. And a rock and a stick would lead Trump by two. I mean, everybody is just tight as can be on their opinion, um, irregardless of what's going on, and that's kind of – and it really tells you about our politics, how divided we are, that um, it's tightened like that, and and that's kind of scary because, I mean, obviously there are – some democrats that are better than others and there's some republicans that are better than others and worse than others and and just without going into too deep i would claim that donald trump was on that worse scale than a lot of other republicans um katherine have you noticed that about the polls how they you know kind of configured all of them we see
3: yeah i mean i think um you know his base is not going to shift i think we've learned that i mean all like you said, the shutdown, the <clears throat> all the things he says, the way he behaves, doesn't seem to shift, to shake that at all. But I don't think he's got a lot to – I don't think he's got much to gain there. Like I, like, I can't imagine what he would do that would push that up either.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think there's some states, um, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, uh, maybe Ohio, maybe Florida, those states that, that did kind of flip at times from Democratic candidate to Republican candidate, it does seem like there's some portion of voters in there that did move. Um, I mean, I know some of them have been turnout, but there's a little you know sliver, 1-2% of the electorate in those states that uh, does vacillate for some reason. And if you could kind of identify that, and I think some of those voters may... Have uh, vacillated back as you know in the 2018 election as well already. Um, that that may kind of factor in and, and try to find out you know what issues mean more to those voters. And, and once again, I don't think mm. the North Korean summit, good or bad, is what they're voting on.
1: Yeah, you know um, what it, issue means everything: Trump.
2: economy or health care. Which one? No, Trump. No,
1: Trump. Trump. That's oh, how what's going to mean it? everything ne- next year. Democratic voters are going to be motivated by one thing, rage against Donald Trump. If they're motivated to to vote like that, I really don't see how he could pull this thing out. You saw what happened in the midterms. That was definitely a very, very strong anti-Trump vote. They came out to get him. You mentioned the one or two percent. Man, that's all it would take in Wisconsin, Michigan. Pennsylvania, he won the totality of those three states by a combined less than seventy thousand votes. That is a handful of votes there, and those three steps uh, states flip. That's the ball game. Plus, with what we've been watching, I think that Iowa probably is going to be a battleground. North Carolina certainly, Florida. I'm I'm really hopeful Georgia is, and I think we may grab Arizona. So, you know, the, the the map is changing, and right now it's changing in our favor. We run the right yeah. candidate, he's in trouble.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, well, let's go ahead and talk to another state that's already undergone that transformation, and it's really gone, for, and presidential, from red, you know, more reliably red than a lot of other states, to purple, and now, uh, even in, you know, 20, um 16 uh, Democrats won it And that's the state of Virginia But we're not going to talk about 2016 We're unfortunately going to talk about February 2019 To start off with Lowell Welcome back to the show Lowell Field
0: Hey how's it going
2: Oh doing good um, j- Just want to get in with you On these things And um, I- I- it's honestly It's so many pieces it's hard to know over it again, But let's begin At the top of the um you know the delegation if you will in virginia with the governor's mansion then that's kind of what started it all off where um ralph Northrum, um there was a photo that came out in the yearbook that had someone in a very minstrel looking uh black face next to uh-huh. someone in a klansman outfit and somehow that was called a party i'm hope I never get invited to that party. That that, that just, <laughs> I don't even know how that went fun on party, in the 1980s. huh? 1980s, yeah, that, I mean, that, <laughs> that that's kind of like 1980s. You thought that would be uh, out of out of bounds, but then it was on his page. But then he says he never was in that photo. But then he admitted to dressing up like Michael Jackson and wearing blackface. So yeah, we yeah can, and he we almost, can did, he the almost shade, did the moon though. dance. What he, he yeah. almost
0: demonstrated the moon dance for us, but yeah.
2: Yes, so I kind of set it up for us for those that somehow might have been under a political rock and didn't know. But my first question, Lowell, is have they ever found out who was in that initial picture or why that was on Ralph Northam's yearbook page if it wasn't him?
0: Not really, Um, and Ralph Northam had talked about doing some sort of investigation, and I – believe something's ongoing where they're looking into this supposedly the whole thing was weird because initially northam uh apologized for that those photos on his you know page and 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 the deal was you submitted in a sealed envelope apparently you submitted the photos and materials you wanted on your page in that in that yearbook for the for the med school so i mean you know, unless unless there was a mix-up or something, it, it seems like – initially, at least, it sure seemed like it was his page. These were the photos he supplied and whatever. And one of those people, either the one in the clan hood or the blackface, was him. But then – so and he apologized initially, so we're like, okay, I guess it was him. And then he decided overnight or whatever after talking to people – he apparently made a million calls to former classmates at the med school and, and was like racking his brain, and he couldn't not remember doing that. So then the next day he held this bizarre press conference and, where he almost did the moonwalk among other things <laughs> and uh and basically said no it wasn't me. I'm absolutely sure I was that's not me in in either of those photos. So and he called, talked about doing an investigation of some sort to get to the bottom of it of how those photos ended up on the page. And okay, so that was like, you know, February 1st. So now we're in March now and um you know, it's we haven't there're no answers still really and he still hasn't resigned. He's still in the governor's mansion. By the way, if you look at his official calendar on his uh, on the governor of Virginia website, the last official event was February 1st. Since then, there's been nothing.
1: <laughs> I mean, the oh. governor
0: of Virginia is in is officially in hiding.
1: <laughs>
0: He's like holed up what? in the governor's mansion. Yeah.
1: Well,
2: at least he's in the governor's mansion. Uh, South Carolina had a governor that went missing, and they really didn't know where he was, and they found out he was in South oh, yeah. America, so progress. The, uh, um, the
0: uh, Inca Trail or something?
2: Yes. Um, well, yeah. but seriously, it's, and that that just fascinated me. is like, you know, who were these two people, and how did they get there? But um,
0: now yeah, good question. it's
2: kind of – it's so tricky, and we'll get into the other other um, levels of government and different things going on. Um. But what is kind of the sense in Virginia? We saw a poll come out, you know, within a week, and it actually had African-American voters were kind of like, you know, maybe he shouldn't resign because the alternatives of, you know, having someone like a Republican that just didn't care about his own policy in 2019 is probably worse. That poll came out, that kind of, you know, may pull, I guess, take a pause. How do people feel in the state now?
0: Well, it's kind of hard to separate out. A bunch of other things have happened too, of course, uh, and it's hard to separate out the politics of it with with just the the people people feeling outraged about the photos or this or that. But so since you know the Northam news came out, other news came out. So what would have happened if Northam hadn't stepped down was the lieutenant governor Justin Fairfax would have become governor. And, and at the time, it seemed like a reasonable thing. You know, Justin Fairfax has been a rising – seen as a rising star in, in Virginia and even national politics, and nobody knew of any scandals or any problems with him. So it seemed like, you know, if Northam stepped down, we'd, we'd have another Democrat. Justin Fairfax is a Democrat, African-American, um, who would become governor. And, you know, that seemed perfectly reasonable. Problem is, a scandal broke – with Justin Fairfax as well, uh, with accusations too now, at, uh, no, no more have come out. I've heard rumors there might be other things. But so far, two women have accused him of sexual assault. So now, and, well, one was sexual assault, the other one uh, premeditated rape, uh, quote-unquote. Um, so, um, so that now, the problem is now if Northam steps down, then Justin Fairfax is under a cloud that would be problematic for him to become governor. Um, so then what happens? It's, it's a mess. So I think Democrats, at the Virginia Democrats at this point, are trying to deal with it as best they can. We have elect- crucial elections this November for the entire Virginia legislature. Um, we are very, very close. Democrats were, are, are within two seats in each chamber of taking back the Senate and the, and the House. Of delegates and and before all this stuff happened we were i'd say, i would say people were Democrats were very confident that we were going to take back the legislature and now I mean i've talked to a bunch of elected officials and other people the last few days, and it's all over the place. Some people are still pretty confident or even very confident, other people are freaking out and not confident at all. Here's the problem. Like, I, I like to make a football metaphor for this one. But, you know, it's like if, you're, if your football team just lost its starting quarterback, second-string quarterback, and third-string quarterback, they all blew out their knees or whatever, they're gone. And you're heading into the playoffs, by the way, <laughs> and you have no quarterback. That's where we're at. We lost the governor, who's the quarterback. We lost the lieutenant governor who was the second string. And then the third string, the attorney general also had a scandal with a, a blackface thing that apparently when he was 18 years old back in college, he wore blackface. I mean, I guess this was the thing back then. I mean, I didn't do it back then, but whatever. Some people did. So, um, so yeah, it's, so, so these people normally would be raising millions of dollars. They would be going around the state campaigning. They would be holding events for candidates. They would be doing a lot, I mean, to help us win back the legislature. And now I guess they're – I don't know. I mean I, I can't imagine anyone inviting Ralph Northam or Justin Fairfax to do an event for them at this point, and probably not our attorney general either, Mark Herring. So, you know, I mean – so it's its a, it's a really crazy – I've been covering Virginia politics since 2005 and i've been through some crazy stuff in virginia i mean the macaca thing in 2006 and you can just go down a long list but this is this is just this is unprecedented and bizarre and i mean can you think of anything like this in any state where you've had all three top you know political leaders in the state governor lieutenant governor attorney general under clouds like this in within like a couple of weeks of each other, and it, well, it, I can't think of one.
2: So, yeah, no, I think so you have or, to like yeah. com- combine a ten-year period or more
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, to, to get anything
2: close to this. Not all at the same time. Well, I'm going to let I'm going to pass it over to Catherine so she can ask questions about you know possibly go deeper into Justin Fairfax or or wherever she wants to go with her questioning. Okay.
3: Hi, Lowell. I've been thinking about you hey. a lot. <laughs> Since this summer, I was <laughs> like, oh my God! What, yeah, oh my God! What is happening with Lowell? Um, Ugh. I have first. I have a comment to make. I think the thing that I found the most uh, troubling, amusing, was when Northam said, <laughs> "What did he say? Um, you have to put. You can't put on too much shoe polish." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. to get it off. I was like, okay, yeah, you've done this a lot. <laughs> Apparently. <you> <laughs> <laughs> He's an much, expert at this. I don't know how much shoe polish to put on my face. You know,
0: right. That was,
3: I thought, a really striking remark. Um,
0: that was classic.
3: So, <laughs> well, that whole, that whole press conference was pretty classic. With his wife, yeah. you know, uh-huh. leaning over and saying, uh, "This is not appropriate." <laughs> like, I, no, I liked I when his
0: wife law. sort of grabbed him by the sleeve and was like, "Cause he was looking around for if there was space." Like by the podium, maybe to do the to demonstrate the moonwalk can can I think they asked him, Can you still like moonwalk or something? And he was like gonna show. Yeah, Yeah. I can. Um like he didn't even
3: it didn't even cross his mind how inappropriate that would be.
0: (laughs) Right. And his wife Uh, was like, maybe not. (laughs)
3: Um, maybe she can go and raise some money for the party. Um
0: Yeah, except she has a little scandal now too, but we'll get it we can get into that. Oh so
3: Oh, what's her scandal? Oh, do tell.
0: Well, so the Washington Post a couple of days ago printed the story that supposedly she was giving. So they give tours of the governor's mansion. I'm sure they do it in
3: Georgia too. Oh right, too. I remember this. Yes.
0: And they hand has- out samples of like agricultural items of the time and whatever. You know, they let the kids. For this is for school kids or stuff or whatever, and they get to feel like the cotton. In this case, it was cotton, cotton ball or whatever. And uh from a cotton gin, or whatever it was, you know and, um and so they're handing this around, so some kid one of the kids apparently emailed his mother or something like that and and the mother at least interpreted it that that Pam Northam, the first lady, had only handed the cotton to african American kids and had made some comment about slave. Imagine what it would be like to be a slave and have to pick this in the hot sun or something like that and so um so that turned into, so that blew up and Washington Post ran with that story and then and then since then they've practically retracted it because other kids of, it, who were in that group said that 's not the way it happened so that 's sort of up in the air now too, but that's that's so Pam Northam got herself into some. I don't know what you want to call it, hot water or whatever maybe.
3: I it's sort
0: of semi-retracted now, so I'm not sure where that story is right now.
3: They, it's so hard to keep tra- to track like of this stuff like, by the way. Yeah. They like to seem to say things and then say, "Oh, I didn't mean that." Like that's right. so crazy.
1: Um, yeah, but what I
3: wanted to ask you about um yeah. is how strong is how strong is the party? Will they be able to, you know, um work on these upcoming elections is there you know are they organized are they mm. uh, funded like what's the circumstance
0: with the party well here's the thing i mean when you have a governor when the, when a party has has a you know a governor of their party and the governor's mansion it's pretty much a, generally it's their party you know it's, a, it's the governor's yeah. party and the governor raises millions is expected to and usually does i mean mcauliffe terry mcauliffe certainly did and uh, Mark Warner when he was there and Tim k i I mean they raise millions of dollars and they do a million events and everything like that. So now, I, as I said earlier, I don't know if Northam can is going to be able to or want anyone's going to want him to do any of that. So that so the party's intertwined with you can't separate it out. I mean the party is the governor in a lot of ways, not totally it's its own thing, but um, and also the fact that the lieutenant governor and attorney general are sort of off the board. But no, right. I mean there's other stuff. I mean we have. We have Congress, you know, members of Congress who can chip in. We have Tim, Senator Tim Kaine, Senator Mark Warner. They, I think, they're going to be called on to pick up a lot of the slack because there, and there is a lot of slack. You're talking millions of dollars that the governor could have raised and probably isn't going to now, and you know, and all the events they were going to do. So now, I think Kaine's going to have to get heavily involved. Warner's going to have to get heavily involved. A lot of the, a lot of the uh, members of Congress. I mean, you know, the new ones: Abigail Spanberger, Elaine Luria, Jennifer Wexton, and then all the other ones. The, you know, the incumbent um, members of Congress. So, and then uh, the delegates and state senators. I mean, it's going to have to be like everyone's going to really have to get involved.
3: Well, yeah. do you Go think ahead. they'll pretty much shun Northam? Um, and what's the lieutenant Go- governor's name? I can't remember. Dustin Fairfax. Yeah. Yeah, well, they Just have to shun them, and so that they can't, you know, I mean, because that's, that's going to, that would be really awkward if, you know, Mark yeah. Warner came to an event and all of a sudden Northam and Fairfax showed up, like, how do they, <laughs> right, you know, how do they distance themselves from,
0: I don't know them,
3: those two? yeah, right, I mean, how do you, it seems like it's going to be pretty complicated, and right. they're going to have to get some buy-in from those two saying, hey, you know. Just keep your calendars empty. Don't, you know, don't do anything. Don't entertain any school children in the governor's mansion. Yeah, just just right? lock
0: yourself in there. Don't say a word. Don't, like, right. leave there. Don't just, just <laughs> sign bills and veto or whatever. Just don't even, just, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Honestly, we've never been through this before. But I think if everyone really steps up, uh, and and that also, by the way, includes I would say the 2020 presidential Democratic presidential candidates. I'm expecting. I mean, I already was, and I think everyone was expecting them to come into Virginia. I mean, Virginia is the only state in 2019. Well, New Jersey, I guess, has legislative elections, but it's already heavily Democratic.
3: Mississippi. Mississippi. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but you
0: know, so Virginia is is one of the one of the maybe the only one that can really has a chance to flip. Both chambers, and um, very competitive for the for the entire legislature. So um, anyway, we were expecting you know twenty twenty presidential candidates to come in, and you know I mean I really am now. Now of course, are they going to want to campaign with Northam or Fairfax or yeah?
3: that's Maybe and they're going to have to. Yeah, nobody's going to want to campaign with them.
0: I would think. no. I so mean, they're going so right. So I would presume they're going to come in for. Maybe a joint, you know, House of Delegates or legislative event or some kind of thing where I guess Northam's not invited, where he's specifically told don't show up. It's really awkward. I mean, he's the governor. He's of your party, of I mean our party, whatever. (laughs) Like (laughs) we don't want you. But I think he knows at this point. I don't think he even has to be told like don't show up. I don't think he would. I think he's holed up in the governor's fashion at this point for the duration, you know. <laughs> it's crazy.
3: Well but, I'm gonna yeah, Tim, thanks so yeah, much, Lowell. I know you I know this must be very painful to watch from Virginia.
0: It's painful it is, for
1: it's, us.
0: It's not fun.
1: <laughs> go ahead, Tim. Uh hey Lowell, how are you doing tonight? Other than just oh, going but, crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah, just meltdown, whatever, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Our our beloved president, of course, has weighed in on this.
0: Um, of course. Donald
1: Trump says that with all of this, Virginia is in play for him next year. Is it?
0: <laughs> you got to love that guy. Well, pretty <laughs> much I'd start with saying anything Trump says, I would take the opposite, um, and you'd be much closer to the truth. I, I just don't. I, I, that's ridiculous. I mean, no. I th- look. I mean, they're gonna. They're going to. Republicans are going to use any material uh, they have, and uh, of course they will try to use this. And we've got to get our act together. But I, I still think Virginia. It, Trump's popularity in Virginia is like, I think it's like low 40s or whatever. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. I don't know who we're gonna nominate for president. I I mean, hopefully, it's going to be a really strong candidate, and hopefully, Democrats will be united, and hopefully, uh, you know, Schultz won't run as an independent third party, you know. And, uh, you know, I mean, so who knows? I mean, hopefully, we won't be at war or terrorist attacks, or God knows what will happen by then. But, oh, just, you know, let's not get into all that stuff. I think Virginia, you know, it's a blue state in the presidential years, and at this point, you know, maybe not by 20 points, but it's. Pretty solidly Democratic. And Trump is so unpopular here that it's very difficult to see. And I mean, people aren't going to be voting because of Ralph Northam. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to be voting for president. Like, oh, I think, you know, because I'm so mad at Ralph Northam, I'm I'm going to vote for uh, Donald Trump, you know? Like, yeah, I'm sure a lot of like black people will do that, and Latinos, and Asian Americans, and
1: you know, just liberal <laughs>
0: whites are going to be like, yeah, totally. That's going to do the trick. Nah, just, well, so whatever.
1: Yeah, that's with Trump. with with all of the uh, of the stuff that's been going on, your legislature actually had a a session too, no, and did. I did want to ask you a question about that because they did something very interesting that just a few states have looked at and just a couple of states have have, have done. The yeah. legislature voted to create a bipartisan redistricting commission that will mm-hmm. start work after the census uh, next year. Now, how is that being publicly received? Because I know the voters now have to approve that by ballot initiative, right? Yeah, well,
0: actually, it has to be passed again. Uh, through the Uh legislature next year, and then it would go to a ballot, uh, you know, a a measure in uh, November 2020 Uh um, for the voters to approve or disapprove. Um, I mean, I think, um, you know, probably overall it's been received fairly well. I haven't really seen any polling on that specific, you know, language. There's a lot – it's very complicated because – you know they had all kinds of compromises at the last minute to try to get that thing through and it's not really what this is there's a group called One Virginia 2021 which has uh-huh. been like a, one of the main groups pushing for um bipartisan or whatever you want to call it redistricting in Virginia and it that wasn't their bill I mean, uh-huh. this bill incorporates a bunch of weird stuff like they for one thing like they cut the governor out of the process uh-huh. And that's – the governor was involved in the process before, and we have a Democratic governor, even if he's under a cloud and whatever. But still, I mean he he had a – so he could veto or whatever and have a major say in the the redistricting. And now he's cut out. So now the deal is if this citizen commission can't reach uh, an agreement – I think it's two-thirds – uh, majority um, then they then it eventually gets kicked to the Supreme Court of Virginia uh-huh. and they decide well the problem is the v- Supreme Court of Virginia is a pretty conservative body it's kind of like kind of like the U.S. Supreme Court maybe in a way uh-huh. in the sense of, I mean it's fairly Republican leaning uh-huh. uh, so I'm not thrilled with it myself Like I don't want it to go to the Virginia Supreme Court and I feel like you know uh, it 's possible that the, this commission will will stalemate, and in, in fact, I feel like the republicans the fact that they voted for this makes me nervous too, because why would they vote for this to me it 's like if they 're calculating they 're thinking, okay, we have a chance we actually it 's fairly likely actually we 're going to lose control of the legislature, so let 's vote for this and then and then we can just make it so that it doesn 't reach two thirds you know we 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 can just have our people on there pretty much just make sure it reaches a stalemate it it hits a stalemate and it goes to the virginia supreme court and that's the backstop now not the governor anymore now it's the virginia supreme court which is republican friendly so i'm very um my i mean i'm very uh suspicious of this i i uh, i have a lot of questions and I, i really need to talk to more people about this but you know i haven't seen any like polling or anything but i think um there was a lot of stuff that happened, <laughs> as we've already discussed, last month, and I uh-huh. think uh, that was right at the end of the session, came together, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm really curious to see how this plays out. I, I think what really, uh, next year it has to be debated again. So I think right now everyone everyone's sort of exhausted and taking a break. The other thing that's going on right now is a lot of, everyone's back now from the legislature, so people are these delegates and state senators and and candidates everybody's having their their law, they're kicking off their campaigns they're starting to raise money and i think attention has kind of moved away from that for right now mm-hmm. um, and so i think it's going to rev up again though as the next session you know by next fall or whatever people are going to really start focusing in on that again so i don't know i need to um but i i, yeah, I need to talk to some more people about this and find out really where we're at with this, because I, I feel like Democrats, I feel like Republicans got a, must have gotten a good deal, or they wouldn't have all voted for it,
1: and almost <laughs> all of them
0: did. I mean, I just oh, don't trust them. I feel like if they vote for something, just get, what's the yeah. catch, you know?
1: So, so, so the deal is, next time you're on with us, remind me to bring this up again, in case it's after the next legislature right, exactly. uh, takes over, because it'll be the, uh, it'll be a separate legislature. Actually, there'll be people that will have lost, new people yep. will have been elected, and they yep. may look at this thing and do something completely different, right?
0: Right. Really good point. I mean, the next legislature will be after you know the November elections, and it could be controlled by the Democrats. Both chambers uh, could switch mm-hmm. to Democratic control, um, in which case, who knows? Or, in theory, I mean, we could lose a bunch of seats. And yeah. Republicans could have a much bigger majority, and they might say, you know what, we don't need this stupid redistricting committee. Let's just control the part, let's just do it partisan. Why we have control now, let's just like and screw the Democrats for the next decade,
1: right? <laughs> and, and with that, I'm going to throw it back to David. David? <laughs> On that yes, note, I, ca- I kind of want
2: to go back to the uh, future of uh, our, w- what was the plan for all three of these scandals, if you will, I think. Two of them more scandalous than the third, but I heard one of the plans was how you, you, you Democrats retain power um, with all three office holders being uh, Democrats was um, the lieutenant governor resigns,
0: Governor mm-hmm.
2: appoints a uh, state senator, state rep that's a Democrat that's not involved in any of these scandals in any way, then he mm-hmm. resigns and that person becomes the governor. Well, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lieutenant governor is not um, really he's, – he's denying everything, and of course we – I mean I, I don't know what the truth is because I wasn't there, but there obviously is a whole lot of smoke. Um, why is mm-hmm. Justin Fairfax so reluctant um, to resign? Have you heard other than he's just denying it, or is there some, some of the that he thinks he can survive through the rest of this term, I guess?
0: Well, I mean, there's no real way to force him out. Uh, there, theoretically, I guess there's an impe- You know, they could try to impeach uh, him, but that's highly questionable whether they can. Uh, the crimes, whatever they were, if they were crimes, and these are all allegations. Whether you know the people who made the allegations, Vanessa Tyson particularly i mean I watched her she um is a professor and she's uh, she, she had a they had a seminar a few weeks ago on sexual violence and it was uh she she seems very credible to me but um and to a lot of people but um you know uh it, it's quite possible that um this will that that basically this will just be sort of a stalemate for indefinitely because there won't be – these type of cases are very difficult to prove anyway. I mean, this, this, these are like decades – well, 15 years old or back to 2000. But even if they weren't, um, it's he said, she said. and So he probably figures that you know, there's no way that they're going to be able to uh, uh, convict him in a court of law um the uh um what else can happen i mean the crimes were not committed while he was lieutenant governor um they were committed if they were crimes um and that's you know again that, that's just alleged but you know years ago um and um you know so and there seems to be no willingness amongst no no interest amongst democrats in starting an impeachment process uh i think the democratic position is generally, to let the legal process play out. And, um, and so I don't know, though, how long you know, that will take, I mean, whether that will get anywhere. Um, and I'm sure that's all going through Justin Fairfax's mind. Plus, I mean, if he resigns, I guess his political career is, is over. Maybe it is anyway, but at this point, he, he's maintaining that he didn't do anything, uh, wrong, and that, um, you know, and, uh, and, if, and, and if he really believes that, then he probably thinks that he still has a future. Remember, this guy was a ri- seen as a rising star, not just to governor, but potentially to, to national level, uh, you know, maybe even a run for president in a few years from now, you know. And um, so, you know, he was going all around the country. Last year, campaigning for Stacey Abrams in Georgia, and going down to Florida and campaigning there, all over the country, and he was in demand. I mean, um, he was the head of this uh, National Lieutenant Governors Association, and um, you know, definitely seen as a rising star. So I don't think he's going to just want to give that up so easily, especially if he really believes either he really believes that he didn't do anything. Or um, he doesn't believe that it could ever be proven that he did anything, you know? I mean, and, uh, and it, so – and he you know, can't probably – almost no chance he'd be impeached. The um, problem is it hurts – having him stay and Northam stay damaged uh, but stay in office is potentially very damaging to our, the Democratic Party more broadly here in Virginia. That's, that's the problem and it creates a lot of uh difficulties as we discussed earlier in terms of fundraising and campaigning and all that. So, but but he seems to be toughing it out at this point, Justin Fairfax. And and Northam seems to be hunkered down and he doesn't seem to be going anywhere either. So that's where we're at. Um kind of stalemate.
2: Yes. Well, just one final question I had for you um we obviously it's not been in the news, but we know that you know Virginia is a, an evolving state politically, and Barbara Comstock she lost this past time. Are there <clears> any <throat> other congressional districts um, that may flip around? I mean, realistically, um, in the twenty twenty cycle.
0: I mean, to the Democrats. Um, to the de-
2: well, are, uh, tell us: is, is there a chance that a, a seat could flip back? I mean, I mean that yeah does affect the political calculus.
0: Yeah, there's a chance that a seat could a seat or two could flip back. Basically, it's the um, seventh and the second. Uh, those are the two. Those are that's Abigail Spanberger and Elaine Luria. The second is in the Hampton Roads area. That's a very purple. It's a heavily military area. It's a very much a swing district. And the seventh was the one held by Eric Cantor and then Dave Bratt, who you know pulled the upset of the century practically in defeating Eric Cantor. Um, that's also a purple, swing, suburban, exurban sort of district outside of Richmond. It's a big district, but it's not just outside of Richmond. But anyway, so those are both um, considered uh, – Cook Political Report just came out on Friday with their list of uh, all the districts in the country. That they considered to be vulnerable, and those were two in Virginia that were listed. Was the were the seventh and the second? So none, no others were listed um, as vulnerable uh, either direction in Virginia. Uh, in terms of others that might go to the Democrats, for example, there were none listed, and I tend to agree. I don't really see it. Um, and you know, the seventh and the second will be big battles, huge. Uh, uh, tough battles they were the last time. I think they will be, you know, the next time. I mean, hopefully Trump will get crushed, you know, <laughs> and this is across the country. I mean, hopefully he'll lose in a landslide. That's my dream that he would lose in a landslide and that we would um, pick up the Senate. And you know, maybe let's say in Georgia, Stacey Abrams runs again or whatever. You know, whatever. We have strong candidates and we we win some seats in the Senate and pick that up and 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 hold our ground or even pick up a few in the house but who knows um you know how that's going to play out but yeah i'd say those are the only two uh districts yes, in well, virginia yes why it sounds like
2: democrats have maximized opportunities then well, uh, I think well so. we want yeah we we waited on purpose to have you because we kind of wanted more a little bit more of the longer view than just the snap reaction so it's yeah. good to have you on to tell us about um, all these goings on in Virginia. Hopefully it will be calmer, although at least one of these situations um, has not been settled. So we'll probably have it on in the future, and, and unfortunately mm-hmm. have to discuss at least part of this.
0: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I guess is the operative word. <laughs> anyway, but I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yes. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Thanks,
0: yeah, thanks a lot. Take care, guys.
2: Uh, you too. Thank you. Uh, well, that was l- – Lowell Feld of um, yeah, formerly Raising cane Blue Virginia blog, other places, one of the, if not the foremost, one of the most foremost experts on Virginia politics, because there's obviously a lot of knowledgeable people in Virginia, but they cover national stuff, and don't worry just about the Commonwealth. Uh, one final topic, and it was kind of one we had discussed as a lead, but just based on the nature of a show. It'll be kind of our final segment, and that was the Michael Cohen testimony. Um, a lot of things I think we kind of had heard about knew, but then, of course, there was new stuff like Donald Trump added millions to his wealth to buy the – or to try to buy the Buffalo Bills and, and just how much he had threatened people through his attorney. Um, Catherine, what was the most uh, – or one of the most shocking things that you heard about during the Michael Cohen testimony?
3: Oh gosh! I didn't watch <laughs> all of it. Um, it was. I mean, I don't think any of it was a big surprise. Does anybody else? Well, I
2: didn't any I'll you, I'll good. go. I'll answer my own question first, and then okay. go from there. To me, the most shocking thing about the testimony was not what Michael Cohen said. It was how so many of the Republicans, like Jim Jordan and um, Paul Gosar and others just blindly defended Donald Trump in the face of such um, abhorrent behavior. I mean, the checks, he he actually brought exhibits that you you couldn't deny in the same way that you could be, you know, some words. And so I just thought the fact that they were just willing to sweep it all under the rug so publicly was was, to me was the most shocking. Um, I agree with
3: that, absolutely. Okay.
2: Uh,
1: Tim? Go ahead, Tim. Well, there were a couple of things that kind of uh, blew me away. One uh, was, was he mentioned that he was actually in the room when Trump took the phone call from Roger Stone in which Stone was apparently telling Trump about WikiLeaks. Now this was before anything happened. This was before Trump got in front of the cameras. You remember and said, "Hey Russians, if you're listening, blah blah blah." All of that. This would prove that not only did Trump know about this beforehand, uh, but that he also approved on it. This uh, approved of it. And if this could be proved, it, it would be just very, very, it just explosive. Um, but one thing that really struck me, and I'm going to read what he said toward the end of this thing, and it, it, it just it, – it was just a very somber moment. And Cohen said, given my experience working for Mr. Trump, I fear that if he loses the election in 2020 that there will never be a peaceful transition of power and this is why I agreed to appear (laughs) before you today. I hope that if people take nothing else away from this, that they remember that right there. Um, Otherwise, I think this testimony is going to open up uh, lots of new avenues of investigation because he called a lot of names, folks. And Congress is going to want to see those people. I wouldn't worry about the Republicans defending Trump like that. They tried that with Nixon. Uh, You you know, John Dean testified for five days. Five days! And, And had to hear it. You know, for five days they bore in on him. Uh I think he was pres- presented himself though as a credible witness, don't you?
2: I, I do. I mean obviously he um was in on it all. It, it reminded me of like one a member of the mafia, you know, the, the lower level member turning on uh the higher up Mafia Don. Um uh, both mm-hmm. of the way they talked about Donald Trump functioning with the payoffs and the threats um, you know, because apparently he threatened colleges, which would have been the University of Pennsylvania, would have been one of them. He threatened them to, to not release his, S, uh, his SAT score. I mean, who threatens an Ivy League or any college for that matter? But, you know, the University of Pennsylvania, I'm sure the records, the registrar records department doesn't have to face a lot of uh, threats from former alumni for things like that. I mean, that was just so bizarre, but that's the way he functions. Apparently he threatened, you know, Stormy Daniels at one point, Um, you know, in addition to the payoff or what have you. um, It just really was a lot of unseemly behavior. And even if you do agree with the Republican Party, I mean, like, for instance, you know, Mike Pence, he agrees with Republican principles, but he doesn't personally behave this way. How do folks like him... um, you know, justify and reason this that they have this leader that that functions in a whole different manner personally than they do, even if they do agree on politics. What do you think, Catherine?
3: Um. Well, I don't like to use Mike Pence as an example because I think he's a,
2: you know, but
3: I
1: don't. He's know a weirdo, they, but he's an
2: ethical look, weirdo. You know. You know what I mean?
3: Mm, well, I, I I'm not going to argue about that. But, um, I I, I mean, I've been wondering for two years how these Republicans look at this guy and feel like they can um, support him and, you know, not impeach him themselves. So, I don't know that this – I mean, they don't believe this testimony. They, You know, they just kept – all they could talk about was how he was a liar. Well, I mean, it's almost like you lied before and – they believed him before, but now they don't believe him when he's lying. Now it's just it's a bizarre situation, and uh, I this the, I, I do think that those threats to the schools was pretty shocking. Like, really, why are you worried about that? Who cares about your SAT scores? You're a seventy whatever year old man. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about your SAT scores. Nobody. I, yeah. I don't know. I just think it 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 it, it showed how um, it really revealed how um, uh, in, in insecure Donald Trump is. I thought all these threats and all this cover up. It just seemed to. But but again, I wasn't surprised by very much. I mean, I was surprised a little bit by the varied details, but the. General overview didn't surprise me at all, really. Yeah, I've been wondering. I've been wondering about this not not this a, a transition of power all along. We've talked about that. That will he have? Would he ever leave office? Even if he were, even if he were not reelected. But what what if there was an impeachment or what whatever Mueller might find, or Mueller, um, I, I don't I I I can't imagine him. Leaving
2: office uh, quietly. Well, well, Tim. I mean, just to the naivety, the naivete of all this whole thing. The fact that he thought he could keep two sets of books on his financial records and somehow fool the National Football League, a multi-billion-dollar industry. I mean, to think that they wouldn't do the due diligence to find out uh, his real books. Uh, I mean, how did he function like this?
1: I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. In Donald Trump's mind, he is on a lifelong winning streak. He comes from a background where essentially he can pretty much do anything he wants to do. And he really thinks that as president, he can pretty much do anything he wants to do. And pretty much so far, he's pretty much done about anything he wanted to do. He's got some pushback now because Democrats have a lever of power, but the Republicans for two years have just let this guy do anything that that he wants to do, and it's, it's, it's absolutely sickening. And and this is this is the reason that we're in the mess we're in, but because they are not doing any checks and balances on this guy, at least until now. Now I think it's going to be a little bit different.
2: Yeah. At some point, it may not be in the next two years, it may not be in the the next six or whatever, but at some point that we're going to have to have a rule book and enforce it, and it's not who's in power, it's we're going to have some decorum and rules, because we sure don't right now. Well, guys, uh, thanks again to Lowell Field, and um, that's been the Kudzu Bound for tonight. Good
0: night, guys. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a?